October 20, 2021. It's a lot for Pedro show. I was I was trying to do something. I, that was uh, I was trying to do something. Uh, please, I was that was the thing I wanted to do in music. See, and I wanted and I figured I could do two things. I could have a band that played like the way we used to play, uh-huh. and a band that was uh, going in the direction that this the one I have now is going. I could combine these two with the you know with these two concepts going and uh, it could have been that oh uh, yeah Sun Ra is quite bitter and claims that you've stolen all of your ideas from him and in fact that everybody has stolen all of their ideas from I him which so. is uh, rather exaggerated maybe something too too I look I've heard him and, uh, and I know I know that he's done he's done some things that I've wanted to do
Lock from Pedro Show. Happy Wednesday. Start off John Coltrane talking to Frank Kosky, November 1966. Spiel about uh, Sun Ra. Of course, you couldn't say any mean things about him because, yeah, he's into the same kind of thing. <laughs> and then you can hear probably guess that I'm not man alone because of those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention, right? I got yep. Samuel Well. Welcome aboard, Sam. Hello, everybody. Yep, and big love to Brother Bill Nace for making the connect. He is a man. And some that gave I me, truly gave me a lot of great music, but a lot of it was from this project called Elo Omo. That's right, Elo Omo. Okay, the first one I did was Oldingville, September 001. Now, I'm curious about your journey through music, so please enlighten us by first bringing your earliest musical recollection. Wow. I'm, my first musical recollection is the Emperor's theme from, from Star Wars. That was the first movie my dad took me to see. I was about three years old. That, that's the first music I remember hearing. My parents didn't really listen to a lot of music. They weren't particularly musically inclined people. We did not have a record player. Um, my mom killed Huey Lewis's sports cassette in her car, but that was really the, yeah, the emperor's theme. That's that's the first thing that really I remember. So the pad you grew up in had no musical instruments. Not until I expressed an interest. Oh, okay. You brought them into the pad. Yeah. What was the first record you bought with your own money, Sam? Uh, it was uh, Never Mind the Bollocks. Sex Pistols. Sex Pistols, yep. And what was the first gig you went and saw? Haha. <laughs> the first gig I saw was Ozzy Osbourne and uh, Queensryche and Suicidal Tendencies at the Summit in Houston, Texas. And, you know, and that was like a big, heavy record for the movement. But you're a couple years down the road. Yeah, you don't go for uh, Nirvana or, or uh, Green Day. You go uh, for you the know, original I, daddies. Well, you know, it was sitting there at the Sam Goody. Yeah. And it looked intriguing. I mean, up to that point, I'd only really been listening to stuff on the radio and classical music. And that probably wasn't on the radio a lot. No, no, it wasn't. Not those not colors enough. too. That the colors of that <laughs> yeah, yeah. record. I, you know, whoever came up with the color scheme was like lime green and pink. <laughs> it's just so, so know, bizarre. It, it's funny. I bought two cassettes that day, yeah. and I was clearly buying them for the color palette because the other cassette was De La Soul's Three Feet High. Oh, they had trippy ass colors too. Yeah. <laughs> but that's also a good re record. Also, it's a great, so great they're record. Both, they're both good records. Yeah. Well, well what about at school? Uh, were you in the choir, the marching band, or shit like that? I was in the orchestra. I played upright bass in the orchestra in school. And how did you land on that? Was it given to you, or did you choose? No, I chose. I chose. They had a. They had a, a like you know recruitment drive to get people to join the orchestra, and they sent all the high school orchestra people over to the, the elementary schools and middle schools to demonstrate the instruments. And I chose the bass. I so wanted to play bass. You, you were like in grade school. I was nine years old. Wow. I was, I was, I was in fourth grade okay. and I just felt completely drawn to it. I was insistent. My parents had to buy a new car because we only had a rabbit and it wouldn't really fit. They were sure I wouldn't be strong enough to play it. And, you know, but my parents were on board, you know, it was a crazy idea in hindsight. And the first couple years I played it, um, I couldn't really carry it. 
you know, I'd carry it a couple steps and I'd have to lay it down and take a break by sitting on it, you know? And people would be like, do you need help, little girl? And so, I would turn, you know turn it down every how, time. How would you do Pratt? Because it probably had to stay at school, right? My parents rented one for me. Ah, so you had one at home and one at school. I had okay. one at home and one at school. Yeah, and in the early days, those were they were like, you know, they were plywood. They were, sure, you know. Sure, sure. Just... Kind of the rockabilly one. Yeah. <laughs> K, K. Well, like a real good one, spruce soundboard. But, man, that's a bunch of bucks. So, yeah, it's plywood. Yeah, you know, and, and then those rockabilly guys—they'd climb up on those motherfuckers. And show, all the showbiz, <laughs> all the showbiz, and and also like double as a drummer, right? I think that's where Larry Graham yeah. got some of his slapping from because th they were doing that in the fucking fifties, hitting yeah. the string, uh, the neck with the string. Yeah, and hitting the back too. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So you're like yeah. you're your own drummer, you're accompanying yourself. You know, a weird kind of percussive thing. Bill Black, right? He did that with the Elvis and shit. Yeah, it's re really interesting, but you're right. Hard to get around, and it wasn't just because you being a lady and littler. It was hard to, on the dudes too. They'd have, and the, the, uh, from what I've read, you know, no torn in boats yet. They're or vans. They're they're in uh, station wagons, so they got to yep. tie these motherfuckers to the roof. So Leo Fender, this is one of the reasons why he comes up with this thing called he called the precision bass. You, you know why he called it that? Why? Because it's got frets. <laughs> what do you say? Bass Leo players can't play, play in tune. Leo played a little bit of piano and some saxophone, but he pl he invented these things like electric guitar and electric bass for his friends. So it's really practical. His innovations, like he's trying to help them out. Sure. Like, so basically, he takes it, you know his electric guitar idea and puts a little steroids on it, and he comes up with a bass guitar. And uh, yeah, it's, because. You know, with that timbre and shit like that, the, the symphonies wanted all these things in the same kind of shape. They're just bigger right. and smaller, right? Now, with the, <laughs> the, the stand-up's a little different because it's uh, also tuned in fourths. With all those other guys right. are in fifths, yeah. I guess they wanted ours clumped more. more <laughs> Here, you gave me this. I mean, some of these pieces you got were really long, and I love them, you know. But one of them. I had to put into three parts, and we're gonna have to play on the next two shows because it was a fucking hour by itself. But we're gonna yeah. love it, and we're gonna play it. But well, thank you. In, in different parts, <laughs> the, the the what Peter show would have to be in five hours <laughs> instead of three. So, but anyway, this Friends and Heroes Volume One, Colin Langer and Samuel. Let's listen. All right.
dropping habits has counteracted any progress you had made on the flirting issues you believe in. Sarcasm's all that's left.
Off for Pedro show. Start off that chunk of music. Colin Langinus. Yeah, Longinus. Longinus. Okay, fuck. Sorry. <laughs> That's Colin. all right. I think you. I think you've talked to him. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. <laughs> you know, there's no reason for me being stupid like that. He was beautiful. Samuel with Friends and Heroes, Volume One. Then we had brand new from Deerhoof off their new album, Epic Love Poem. Land order out of England with uh, this could mean something. Uh, hi, Reeve. Arsolation. Ars- Maybe that's a made up word. Uh, San Lock Ward. Iowa City collab with me. SLWCC Watt. God Beard Complex. Victoria Shin. Excerpt from her Kolaka Flashlight in the Mouth. Head boggle of his new album, Hoedown's Tune, and then Maury Lowe, Omo, Mean Street. So I'm guessing your first gigs that you do with the fucking bass is probably school one. Absolutely. Well, because there's another mode, right? I'm not talking about graduating, but afternoon, after school, the bedroom band, the garage band, the basement band, but stand-up, you know, do, do, did you did you do that thing? Did I do which thing? Play the play the stand up bass in front of people? Well, with or your, the with bedroom band. School, yeah, though, though, because the bedroom is band is you and your peers, right? The other thing is from yeah. school and you being trained and you're part of an orchestra. And, yeah, no, I uh, they're, they're I, both I music made... and they're both valid, but I'm just wondering if you, if you just did the school thing or did you have this uh, uh, parallel universe? No, I started. I started playing electric when I was like twelve. Yeah, got my hands on one of those, and you know, I was already, I was already pretty much in love with the bass. Now that's and, easy uh, to get a jam thing going with your buddies, right? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I was in I was in a couple bands. What'd we you never get? Fender? Really? We, we uh, no. I had a Guild Pilot. It's actually oh, yeah. the bass I still have. Um, I know Guild Pilot. Playing pilots. that bass forever. It's great. And what about amp? Uh, the first one was a crate that was actually in a wooden box. Yeah. I think it was a I think it was a forty watt crate. Yeah, Fender ended and, up buying that and kind of an Econo brand for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was, worked. You know, my first it was it, big it was one at the was pawn a shop. <laughs> <laughs> You know, a yeah, poor carpenter yeah. blames his tools, right, or her tools. So, so I love t- it. tell me I, about this, these these uh, after school bands, these jam bands. Oh, we just played, uh, we played cover songs and, uh, one band was mostly, it was mostly, we would play ACDC cover songs because the guy whose house we practiced at and who also played guitar, that's what he wanted to do. And the other band, I'd play some funk, some funk, you know, and at that point I was still reading music to, to jam with people. Like I would, I would get a tab book and read, the, read the music, and play it like that. Like I wasn't listening. You, know what, you mean tabs or, or, or yeah. standard? Well, at school they weren't having you do tabs. You were reading music. No, right? yeah. no, no. I would just, but I'd go to the mall and I'd be like, oh, I need to learn Jailbreak 77. And I'd get an AC, DC tab book, you know? Like no, but, just, but like at school when you're doing the orchestra stuff? Oh, yeah. No, you got to read music. Yeah, That's right, they right, teach right. you. They teach you that first. They don't even let you play until you can yeah, do right, all the flashcards. Right. And with you the know, tab, I got to say, tab is the hardest fucking thing to read on the fly. Oh, yeah. The numbers, everything's too little. It's organized all stupid. It's really slow (laughs) you can get it, but, man, it's not really good for on-the-fly stuff. 
It's not really hard with you when you're talking ACDC songs. Oh, yeah. Well, I, a lot of repetition. There. Yeah, but also maybe training the ear. You don't really have to, you know, just by learning off the records, maybe, too. Yeah, I, I, it never occurred to me. It never occurred to me until, like, much later to just sit down and listen to something and learn to play it. And I found that to be easier. Well, Much yeah, because you were training, reading music. You were training your ear. Yeah, you're tra- yeah. And you know, some of those things are wrong. <laughs> they sure are. Especially the, the fucking yeah. tabs on the internet. Oh my god, I've, I've, <laughs> I've seen the most ridiculous. I mean, like, what are these people hearing? <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. But you, you know what? You had to find that out by doing it. You know, it's like skateboarding or anything like that. You learn. Well, by doing. I had I had such a, a really very academic uh, introduction to music, like the idea of just making some shit up and playing it yeah. for no reason. It never occurred to me. You know, oh, like, were you in the, were you in this situation? The, the great skilled. Uh, I don't know, taskmasters, right? Because they don't improvise. You, you just hand them sheets of music and they execute. Yeah. But you ask I, them, well, hey, jam an E minor. What? What? <laughs> yeah. No, my uh, my bass teacher at one point, the uh, jazz band asked me to join the high school. And my bass instructor said I shouldn't do it because playing jazz would ruin me. That's you know, what you she know said. What? You know, it's funny. But <laughs> and when, maybe when, she was right. Everybody who's been on the show that I talk about this kind of stuff, this classical training, they, when they when they want to bring up improvisation, they bring in jazz. Yeah. Like that's the only <laughs> way to fucking... You can also improvise and not knowing what the fuck you're doing, right? <laughs> and call it whatever. Yaz yeah. or, or Naz or Baz or Saz. I mean, I mean that, but that's trippy. They, 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 they say, I've had this. Say, oh no, I took some jazz classes. We we improvised. What? <laughs> I was like, oh okay. Because improvised means you just make up stuff that it's not on paper, right? You're just going for it. I, 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 actually, if it's more than one person, you're trying to make a conversation, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's not like, wow, I learned uh, some uh, jazz motifs, some (laughs) jazz formats from 40 years ago. I got that covered. Yeah, I mean, it's jazz is such a living thing. Like, right, right. Even think back to like you did take the A train or whatever. I mean, it's it's just it's 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 a a living mosaic. It's trippy. You people who are passing through, you know. It's trippy. You brought that tune up because there's a famous story about. Atlantic Records want Charlie Mingus and this new guy, oh. Stanley Clark, to make a record. Oh, that, that new guy. <laughs> right, right, right. This is the late 60s or some early 70s. And so first thing Charlie Mingus wants to do, right, is teach him take the A-train. Like, Stanley Clark, I don't want to learn I'm not take having the part A-train. Of that. I bet you he regrets saying that now. But, I mean, right, <laughs> you, you, you always got to have some respect for the cats before. I mean, you got to move ahead too. I understand and be your own man. But if Charles Mingus wanted to teach me to play, take the A train, I would. <laughs> Damn, I, well, I would listen. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> twinkle, twinkle, little star. You, you I know, take that lesson too. He had a huge fucking uh, bad uh, opinion of electric bass. Oh yeah, I saw Lionel Hampton. His guy was trying to do that. You know, in like nineteen forty-eight or. Something. Actually, I think it was like a stand-up that had a pickup in it or something. It wasn't a Fender bass yet. 
But, well, uh, uh, Monk Montgomery. Do you know Monk Montgomery? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he has a a story about Mingus, like basically, because he was one of the first people to start playing yep, yep, that's right. uh, electric bass on on jazz records, and he he says he was the first person ever recorded playing electric bass. But I think that's a bit apocryphal. But he said that Mingus just gave him no end oh, yeah, of, of shit. Just just you know, he didn't care that he also could play upright. Like, but he you know, he was, I think there's a big. Like, we're all into James Jamerson, right? We love Carol Kay, yeah, Joe yeah. Osborne. They're yeah. great, too. But those are totally. guitar players that make the switch. Mr. Jamerson comes from the stand-up. Yep. And he really, really, every one of us, I think, on electric bass, oh, that man. But I think it was from him not, oh, no one else will rock the bass, so I'll get off the guitar. Um, and nothing wrong with that, because, you know, that was very practical, and, you know, and we owe those people a lot, too, but... He actually makes the bridge, you know, the standard yeah, world yeah. into the electric bass, you know, and he really gives it its own voice. And if Ming, maybe if those guys would have met, wouldn't that have been some kind of meeting? Charlie Ming and James <laughs> Jamerson just to talk about bass. Or just to play Here's bass another together. thing. Here's another thing. Mr. Mingus would not compose on the bass. He always did it on the piano. On the right? piano. That's yeah. right. And uh, well, I, think, I think part of the future of bass guitar is composition tool i really do but but anyway let's get back into your story so these bands they're just for fun you're copying songs off records yeah do you start writing your own material anytime during this period no it wasn't until i got to college that i started writing my own material and you and go to college to for uh, uh higher education with music right? <laughs> no no well, I, I i went to it was college a guess. it was to... a guess yeah, no, I studied I studied chemistry. By the time I got to college, I already decided that I mean, I wanted to go to college to study music, but I burned out like my left wrist oh. practicing too much. And I got a terrible, terrible case of carpal tunnel and I had to just stop playing upright for so, eight months. Oh, so you know what bass it was. It wasn't the electric. It was the upright. It was, it was absolutely the upright. The amount 41, of strength. Yeah, you know, 41 inch yeah. scale, right? Yeah. You to gotta the 34 have so, inch yeah. You gotta have so much strength too to push down those, those strings when they're vibrating. Uh, and, absolutely. You know, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's just unreal. Uh, so I just dropped that and, I decided that I'd been going about things all wrong. I started playing more electric and just playing whatever I felt like playing and decided I was never going to play any music written by any dead white men anymore. Like I was like done, like sorry, Mahler, sorry, Beethoven, Strauss, Bach. I'm not doing this anymore. This isn't this isn't what I want to do. It's not where it's Mr. at. Mr. Wagner, you used the bass voice for the fucking the, the guy who builds the ring, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's appropriate. It's appropriate. Um, but so, yeah, so I started I started playing bass, like electric bass, more and more, and went to college, met all these new people, uh, you know, people who just had experiences a lot different than me. But I couldn't really. I tried out for like a bunch of bands because that's like you know the first week of class. There's just like flyers everywhere, you know. We're starting a band. We need a bass player. We need a drummer. Somehow everybody played guitar, right? Yes. And, uh, <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> so Sam, you're going to have to continue on because we're at the end of the first hour, October 2021. Oh, 2021 edition. Why Peter's so special guest. Sam, well, how do you pronounce this? Rowell? Roll? It's it's like towel. Towel. Okay. Rowell. 
Like Rao, Sam Rao. Okay, hold tight for our two. October 20, 2021, it's the second hour of for Pedro Show.
Back for Pedro show. Although Houston, uh, what was his name? Bushwick with Bill. Yeah. Yeah. Scarface. And, yeah. and the Ghetto Boys. Yeah, good man. Good man. Uh, by the skin of our teeth, Elo Omo. And then ID de Femel with I Feel Anxiety. And then the Klein Oak High School Orchestra with La Tosca. <laughs> so this is like a recorder you playing as a kid, right? Yeah, yeah. Our orchestra was actually, our, our little public school orchestra was voted uh, the best orchestra in the state of Texas. And we went to a convention in San Antonio and played for the Texas Music Educators Association. And they made that professional grade recording in like 1993. So that's probably your first recording set. That's my first recording. That's why I sent it to you. I didn't really think you needed any Puccini in your life, but... You know, I was looking through and I was like, that's really funny that I, I got this CD. This is this is my first this is my first uh, appearance. Yeah. Well, it's recorded media. It's been used as a springboard launch pad for all kinds of stuff. I remember a fucking <laughs> cereal, right? No more ice Christmas. <laughs> it's been pounded into my mind, but you guys did beautiful here. You did beautiful. Oh, Tell me about you. this uh, Elo. So, you, okay, you're trying out for bands at, at college, and yeah, they ain't and working I out. Did, ain't I, I out. didn't get, I didn't get the nod, and I thought, you know, like I had some good, I had some good pieces in my repertoire. You know, like I'd yeah. come in and do Blister in the Sun. You know, like I was yeah. showing off R my Ryan top. Ritchie. But, yeah, but I didn't think that I didn't think they wanted a a, a woman in their band, frankly. Oh, I think that's what I that's what that I came shit? Up Oh man. Yeah, so I I You know, I, but there was a Houston band, My Dolls. Maybe you're too young. I don't, but there was yeah, a hardcore. Yeah, in the 80s there was an all woman band called My Dolls. Yeah, no, I was I was really taken by the Pain Teens. That was the oh, band yeah. that yeah, I saw yeah. in Houston that I really, I really, I really liked. And then there was this metal band called Dead Horse that I was pretty obsessed with. Okay. And Montrose, right? That's kind of arts. Uh, Rudyard's, Rudyard's stands yeah, Rudyard's. reading poetry. And yeah, okay. okay. That's where it happens in the Montrose. Yeah, right, right. In fact, the representative. Still happening. The representative from Corwood Industry, right? <laughs> to two, two gigs with him. Man, what a history man. Yeah, <laughs> a he trip. sure is. Beautiful guy. Beautiful guy. What a dresser. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but eventually, is, is Elo come out of the Omo come out of this experience? Uh, well, no, there was a band before Elo Omo okay, that me. I started with two of my roommates and two women who lived in the dorm next door. Ah, so called... you had to end up making your own band instead of joining somebody else's. Yeah. Maybe that, that was, was better though, Sam. I think it was because we really uh we really came up with something. It was a really unique band. We had two basses, no guitar. Our drummer was really into like serious math rock and we had two singers but they didn't sing together they sang their own songs <laughs> and uh it was you know it was, it was pretty terrifying i think for people it was we were nice people but our band was really scary and intimidating and band name chiquita oh oh okay i'm gonna play some of that in the uh third hour i didn't know the uh Chronology. chronology yeah yeah, yeah. chiquita so then, okay this chiquita uh, we was great it's from a seven inch right these this yeah there were gave. two there were two seven inches that we put out and uh yeah we wrote those songs so those, those were the, really the only like uh rock songs i i really ever wrote uh the songs on those seven inches and then uh you know 1996 about three years after 
been playing with Chiquita and like we worked hard. We worked hard. We played all over Boston, like all sorts of DIY shows. You know, like we were really we were really out there. We were Boston, really out there. Why? Like, you went to college in Boston? I went to college in Boston. Okay, okay. Okay. And, and, and there's uh, a lot uh, of clubs there. I know that, man. Huge scene. A lot of clubs, a yeah. lot of bands, a lot of lot of a lot of action. It was a good time to be and, in Boston. And not just Boston, you know? the Northeast, right? Everything's close. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really. Have, I, I didn't have a car then, so we weren't really. Oh, okay. You know, we were still pretty provincial. But uh, okay. and then, <laughs> and then uh, I I I met uh, a man who is my partner even now in life, Tim Leance, and uh, we started playing music together, and that project became Elo Omo. And, oh, okay. Okay. He was the one, and him and some other folks that I was hanging out with and listening to records with were really into free jazz. And that changed the whole trajectory. Like, cause before, like I had gotten into, I'd gotten pretty obsessed with bands that didn't have like guitars in them, like a cop shoot cop and Godhead silo and man is the bastard and the ruins. And like, I was just cop like, shoot cop is too bass. They are, yeah. they are. And uh, so I was just super like Did into you know that. I like dose a lot. Did you know back then about us? I did. Whoa. I did. I was lucky <laughs> enough to do uh, air at the college radio station. Okay. Which had amazing punk rock library. I, I don't know where this is in the timeline of Elo Omo, but I'm going to play Southie. Now Southie makes sense that you said Boston. <laughs> <laughs> Southie Nine, Nove 999. I think. Yeah. <laughs>
What's your name? I got a name too. And if you like me, I can wave to the zoo. Cause we all animals, about the animals. They ain't animals and animals like enemies. Are you a friend to me? I got a friend too. And we can wear on each other. And we wear on each other. And we can wear on each other. I laugh on your tear, you cough them up. I laugh on your tear, you cough them up. Left on your tear, cuff my clip, and we never said another on the way to a fear. What's your name? I got a name too. And if you like me, I could wear it to the zoo. Cause we all animals, about the animals. They eating animals and animals like enemies. Are you a friend to me? I got a friend too. Who's your friend? I got a friend too. Are you a friend to me? I got a friend too. Who's your friend? I got a friend too. And we can wear on each other. And we wear on each other. And we can wear on each other. And we wear on each other. I laugh on your tear, you cuff them up. I laugh on your tear, you cuff them up. I laugh on your tear, you cuff them up. I laugh on your tear, you cuff them up. Clear. And we never said another on our way to a beer. What's your name? I got a name too. And if you like me, I could wear it to the zoo. Cause we all animals. How about the animals? They ain't animals and animals like enemies. Are you a friend to me? I got a friend too. Who's your friend? I got a friend too. And we can wear on each other. And we wear on each other. And we can wear on each other. And we wear on each other. Left on your tear, you cuff them up. 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 Clip and we never said another on our way to a fear. What's the name? I got a name too. And if you like me, I could wave to the zoo. Cause we all animals, how about the animals? They animals and animals like enemies. Are you a friend to me? I got a friend too. And we can wear on each other. And we wear on each other. And we can wear on each other. And we wear on each other. Laugh on your tear, the cuff them up. Laugh on your tear, you cuff them up. Laugh on your tear, you cuff them up. Clip and we never said another on the way to your fear.
Watch for Pedro's show. That chunk of music start off with Iloamo, Southie Nove 999. Now, where'd the name come from? Ilo Omo was uh, a member of Sunrise Orchestra. Oh, shit. And, okay, and, okay. And Tim and I, the drummer in Ilo of Omo, uh, were watching uh, uh, a, a Joyful Noise documentary about Sun sure, Ra. Sure. And we had yet to choose a name for the band. And um, everyone in the orchestra is just like, they're with it. They're happy people. They are into their monastic existence, except for this one guy. They interview this dude, and he's like, angry he's like people ask me when i go out and what i do for fun well this is my fun you know he was really aggressive (laughs) about about you know people questioning his devotion to this sort of really weird out there music and tim and i both thought that this guy was great you know like he's really the standout of the documentary they flash his name on the bottom of the screen and his name is elo omo ronnie boykin i remember the bass man he ended up writing a lot of the tunes he I, did I covered his great a couple bass of years player. ago. Uh, uh, yeah, the composer right. also too. Uh, Tiny Pyramids I did with uh, Bucky Pope nice. out of Madison and uh, Johnny uh, Machine from Tortoise. Yep. Yeah, a beautiful yeah. thing. And uh, see, so yeah, Son didn't Oops. write all the stuff. He let the bass player have some. Yeah. <laughs> so of course, of course. So you named the band after, yeah, okay. Yeah, and it was, you know, like it was a spur-of-the-moment thing. We had a gig. We had our first gig coming up, and we didn't have a name. Yeah, sure. And, you know, it's a it's a hard name to spell. It's yeah. a hard name to say. It doesn't make any sense to people, you know. Well, you know it where probably a lot of those, better. You know, a lot of those names come from because they, they got taken from them, and they're trying to remember the Africa. Yeah. You know, Shaquille yeah. and these kind of things. They're not just out of nowhere. They're They're... they're Kind of memories. I well, I feel maybe, like I feel like yeah. in the orchestra, they're, they're definitely space names, you know. Oh, that too, that too. You I know, mean, like they're they're looking well, she, out like the cosmic dark and like a place where, you know, well, for black example, people the, could uh, be free in the future or something. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, have you read John Swed's book, Space Is a Place? He talks I about absolutely this. have. Yeah, okay, yeah. and he talks about book. this idea when he found out he thought that there was a white idea that no way Egyptians could have been Africans. Oh, how would they build those pyramids? Yeah, that's what I'm how saying. And, and this got yeah, him going ridiculous. on it. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Stuff like that. You know, I grew up in Navy housing and with all kinds of people, and yeah, there's no room for that kind of shit. So, uh, but, but he was trippy, too. He would bring guys off the street to be in the band, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so all of a sudden they'd be playing, and then you had cats like John Gilmore that, Turned down uh, Duke Ellington. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, I so think, tell I me think... about that first uh, uh, gig, uh, Elo Omo. Oh, yeah. Elo Omo's first gig was uh, in Somerville, Massachusetts at 12 Wyatt Circle, colloquially known as Fat Day House. Fat Day being an amazing hardcore band from that era in Boston. And those guys all lived together and had shows in their basement. We played with Lightning Bolt. Rhode Island. Yep, that was our first show. So it was a real bass-heavy night. Now, Those guys it, were just, how would you, were just you get, scared? I was terrified. Yeah. But, you know, I'm still scared. Yeah, me too. Every time. But every you, time. Even though it's like now hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shows, I get up yeah. and I'm like, hey, can I do it tonight? Yeah, like, I'm yeah. just making this stuff up. What if I forget? What if it's bad? Yeah, and yeah. I think that until it starts, and then I don't think about it. 
yeah, and the, the everything's muscle, great. <laughs> the muscle memory <laughs> takes off. <laughs> or the, the stuff you pounded in that's beyond your brain and worrying and kvetch, kvetch. I, exactly. I know about it too. I, I, I have downloads. Yeah. It's a kind of responsibility. These people worked all week and what, you're going to waste their fucking money by blowing clams all fucking night? <laughs> <laughs> but you're gonna, you, 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 this gig was a success though. I think so. Okay, I think so. Okay, I mean, I, I definitely think that we were uh, we were a bit overshadowed by Lightning Bolt. At but that yeah, time. but like Ishmael, you live to tell the tale. Hey, man, they they knew <laughs> they they were already like locked in. We were What's still. What's his name? Uh, Mr. Gibson, right? Brian Banjo Gibson. String, yeah, a little bit, a banjo yeah. string on that G. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, we're at the end a... of the second hour. Man, October twenty twenty one. Tissue up for Peter, so special guest Sam Rao. Well, Tech Fire 3. October 20, 2021. It's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
second hour with Evil Eye Land, and this is a collab between Iloamo and Martin Escalante, Sex Man. Enlighten us, Sam. Well, we've, uh, Iloamo is, we're an improv band. We are firmly devoted to the spirit of making it up as we go along, but we're not, we're not really in the improv game of just sort of throwing down with anyone, you know, like getting together. We we're a band, we're an improv band. We rarely play with other people, but we met Martine and we just really, really liked the way that he played the saxophone. And, and we've had a really productive uh, musical relationship with him. We recently, we played our first show back since the COVID couple weeks ago with uh he and a great bass player from peru named tate leguia and uh yeah we got together at our uh, rehearsal space and just like recorded some stuff and uh, martin put it out on his record label and you know it's uh i don't know like i really i really appreciate it when someone comes correct you know and martin always always comes correct you know you never have to worry about putting in more work than Martine, you know, like you're going to collaborate with Martine. He'll always do the first 10%. Not gonna you know? sure. He's, he's going to throw it down. You're not going to be, you're not going to be like pulling anybody else's weight. Like right, he's there, right. he ain't he's, sure there for, his, uh... he's there to like give it all when he plays, he's going to give it all, like making the recordings putting out the CD, making it look good. Like, yeah, he's a, he's a good guy. I'm very, very like happy to have met him. Speaking of and sax, I, I think speaking of more. free jazz, speaking of a book called The Free Music, have you guys ever played with Jack Wright? No. Okay. He's an older man, even older than Watt. And <laughs> he wrote a book called The Free Music. And I've met him because of these guests on here. And he was I had him on the show myself. And I was wondering, because he likes playing with younger people and, and showing them the thing of the improv, you know, the free jazz that, it's a lot about listening, I guess. Uh, I got to tell the people what else we heard. The Gullum Part 2. I've been playing 15 parts of this. Re- uh, what was her name? Mary Shelley. Uh, Frankenstein. She used part of this story for her thing, right? This is Margaret Baird, Charlie Sof- Sofle, Jeremiah Lockwood. And it's a project called Reboot. Yeah, the Gullum Part 2. Uh, 
the next bunch of episodes I'm going to do all the guy. Then Ray Shin with his uh, n- nerve driver. And finally Gag from Chiquita. Uh, uh, Chiquita. Now, uh, this was your first single, right? Gag was off the second single. Oh, okay. Got that wrong, too. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> it, it came in very close to well, session. Well, look, look. Got this other one, 80 o'clocker or something. Eight, eight o'clocker. Yeah, yeah. Eight, eight, eight o'clocker. Now, yeah. now, was this was this first single or second single? That's the. Why well, lost you? You got me here. Can you hear me? Now I can, but. All right. Something happened. You fall down. No, yeah, I fell down. Okay. <laughs> Eight o'clock, or is it first or second? That's off the first single. Okay, let's listen. All right. Lecture given by L. Ron Hubbard to students of the first Class 8 course on board the flagship Apollo on the 3rd of October 1968. The title of this lecture is Assists. This tape lecture has been classified confidential. Copyright 1968 by L. Ron Hubbard. All world performance rights reserved. This tape has been re-recorded by the audio unit of the flagship Apollo of the Sea Organization. All right, now if the PC at that moment were gave an aspect of relief and looked well. 
you would say that's good. You understand? He has to be an OT3 or this sort of thing wouldn't be happening at all. You don't run this on people below that level, you kill them. So, he says, yes, oh, that's great. Oh, my God, what a really... Oh. God. And you say, all right, good, that's fine. Thank you very much. And let him take it up himself. Now, he's going to go on the basis that they all blew, and I got news for you on a cluster. They don't always all blow. There are 15 of them left. It looks so spectacular to see such a mass and disintegrate and so many of them leave. But there might be some still around. Now, you have to finish running the engram out to that degree and run incident one on each separate one of them. And they go, but gone, 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 but it cleans it up. Because the funny part of it is, is let us say, you had a terrible world. Oh, oh, good talk. And then you found this system, you dated this thing, you got some substance of what it was all about, and all of a sudden you got this, oh, gone, you know. Still going to be left with a bit of a subject. You're going to say, well, that's natural. No, it isn't natural. That's the 10 or 15 you left. <laughs> That's the engram. The engram is still remaining with those two. Do you follow? Now, also, there's a copy. Now, Thetan's copy. What has just been copied? Thetan's copy, what has been copied, and make copies of the copies. You get the idea. So you get this kind of a thing. The thing came off your back. See? Came off. Gone, but the mass is still there. All right, who's copying the Thetan who just left? That's the trick. So this one is copying, and then that goes, there goes that mass. Cross-copying. And you run into a lot of this cross-copying and so on as you try to run this stuff. Got it? But for the purposes of an assist, the Good enough, boy. You don't push your luck. Oh, that's good. Get on it with it someday. Let him recover. Let him get his breath.
alien. about freedom. We talk about freedom. That's a very important thing. Wow. I mean, you can't, you couldn't overstate the importance of freedom. Couldn't. But freedom, 1776, reads a lot different than freedom, 1956. It's a different word. And we get one of the fundamental tricks of the agent uh, saboteur, uh, which is change the meaning of the word. Don't change the word. Define it differently. You could take a whole people and bankrupt of any freedom or civil liberty simply by changing the definition. Don't change the word. Now, on President, we had President Frankie. He used to talk about freedom from. That isn't the way I was defined in 1776. Boy, these boys were on. Have you ever read the Declaration of Independence? That is a fascinating document. And with what fascination I read the other day the Supreme Court's opinion of the Declaration of Independence. You didn't know that it had an opinion, but it does. The Declaration of Independence has never been used to clarify decisions presented to the court. It says, because it is not considered a legal or fundamental document of the United States of America. That's what they said. It is not a legal document. It is not that thing upon which American liberty is founded. American liberty is founded on the Constitution of the United States, which is founded, of course, on the most recent Civil Rights Bill. You couldn't put a case before the Supreme Court on the grounds that the Declaration of Independence said so and so and so and so. You couldn't. The Supreme Court would not accept it as an argument because they would tell you that the Declaration of Independence is not a legal or fundamental document in our government. But they take it out and wave it in front of you all the time in school and say, see, 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 this is what you are, this is what citizenship means. As a matter of fact, it's less of persons like myself to complete these cycles of the Declaration of 1776. 
76. Uh, not just the way you thought here. If you notice here, we're wearing a little uh, coin. No worry. Yes, type in. Saw this in a shop uh, over in London and realized that a cycle of action uh, had never been completed. One of our great revolutionary heroes said that he was going to finish the revolution by bringing home the head of George III.
Waffle Pedro Show, last music for this edition. First ever record and release. Chiquita, 8 o'clock. Then we had Talim and Modrizadon with Facet 28. And finally, this is the one I had to cut into three parts because it's almost an hour long. It's a special collections with LRH in his own words. So part one of three, the next two shows I'll play the other two parts because it's beautiful. And I'm going to make a wild stab that LRH is fucking L. Ron Hubbard. It is. Yeah. yeah. None other. Some of the spiel, uh, even though I don't know the man's voice so well, the spiel totally fit. Ooh. Ooh, <laughs> it's like, it's paradigm. crazy. There's some, there's some Lenny Bruce in there, you know, some like real peppy, like <laughs> hopped up on speed. Yeah. 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 Man, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's not extra energy. It's just your fucking fatigue centers. Being okay? <laughs> Remember that people. That's why you get a face looking like a catcher's myth after. Here, <laughs> Pedro, a Speedro, or well, what's the name of my town? Yeah, favorite pickup line, nice tooth. You know, okay. <laughs> special collections. Now, is this a proj or was it a one-off trip? Nah, special collections is my radio show. Okay, I didn't know. Yeah, I'm working it's, uh, on this mind reading thing. Till then, we'll still have to <laughs> Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I've been working on that project about six years. Every month, I. Uh, debut a new uh, sound collage that is, you know, like sometimes I I delve into the archives of crazy people like L. Ron Hubbard or or Jim Jones or, you know, had a real nice trip using the UCLA uh, special collections department that has all Aldous Huxley's uh, archives there. And he made all sorts of mixtapes for himself on reel to reel of like monkey Can monkey I just one other guy? Manly P. Hall. Oh, yeah, Manly P. Hall. Because his spiels, yeah, they're up there with fucking... All right, uh, nice. The, the, these cats. Yeah, I'll, and, and, I'll, you, know, well, you know, I'm going to talk about everything that's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and sometimes sometimes the radio show is like, you know, radio phenomenon, like strange shortwave, you know, broadcast that ham radio people have put together. Sometimes I just find digital archives that I like. Like I made a real nice ambient piece that was from the Hitachi, like heavy industries, like research and development lab where they're going in and recording factories and trying to figure out if they can get to like zero human involvement at the factories by setting up microphones and monitoring the equipment, like by its sound to figure out how things are, if things are breaking, if something needs a new belt. And it was just all of these amazing, like amazing high fidelity recordings of factory sound, just like conveyor belts running or, you know, things like breaking something, some fan going off kilter. And it was, I don't know, it was really, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I can just annoyed about in times a thousand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember I saw them in the desert. It was the last time I ate L, 1984 or something, 83. And it sounded like the cra You know, they don't have shop at school. I went to a career day. No more shop classes at school. But, man, that's what it sounded like. It was like the most hellish shop class you ever had. Metal shop. <laughs> oh, man, Mufti was like fucking grinding 
Uh, you know, the, the base guy had one st- big gigantic automotive spring that it was beat with a hammer. <laughs> it was Are you t- you're, you're in fact, he had a one-string bay, a base with one string, put it on the ground, and got one of them little uh, ground pounders to level out the earth. Yeah, he just pounded the fuck out. <laughs> wow. You're talking about the Desolation Center. Th- that so. gig, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, saw, I, saw, I saw that documentary. Okay, okay, okay. Very, yeah, man. But there Good is something about alive. it. In, when they say industrial, right? That's the name of the label. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, what were they called? Genesis and uh, Sleazy. What were they? Throb and Gristle, right? That was the name of their yep. label. But this actually was industrial stuff. It was industrial music. Right, period. right. And, and and so you find it a piece. I mean, you're saying sounds are sounds as far as putting together music. Yeah, I really like to hear new sounds. I really like to listen to things in different ways, you know, like I'm, I'm moving, I'm moving past notes. Like we don't need notes anymore. Like we got other ways to express like our feelings through sound and, right. you know, it's, it's just interesting. And I'm also like really interested in archives of sounds that don't exist anymore. When's the last time you heard a dial tone? You got a landline at your house? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> pick it up and listen to it. You're like, Oh, there you are. I'm, I hope to be with you for another 10 years, dial tone. You know, people don't know that sound. Uh, steam whistles. You know, back in the day, Industrial Revolution, like steam whistles told people what time it was. They told them when to come to work, when to leave work, when school was out. You know, that was. Yeah, there's nightmare. That was, no, you don't hear I'll tell that. You some nightmare uh, manifestations of that is that Fritz Lang Metropolis. Whew. Yeah, it's like that's the whip cracking is that fucking whistle ball. Yeah. <laughs> As, it's like two and a half hours. The full, they, there are versions with the whole uh, enchilada. It's a trip, man. Uh, so, look, you're not in Boston anymore. No, I live in L.A. I know, I know. So that's a big dealio, though, right? The band moved on, though, right? Elo Emo is SoCal, man. Yeah, Elo Omo is, It's. I mean, we've been playing for... 25 years and i hope we're playing for 25 more can people find it on the internet does it have a website yeah you can go to infrasound.org spell it i-n-f-r-a-s-o-u-n-d okay dot org. Yeah, dot org check that out and when you get some new music will you come back on the show and play it for me Talk i absolutely it? will Absolute. i'd love to beautiful sam so much uh keep on keeping on I love you being so passionate about music. That's beautiful. Uh, I love music and I love the bass, you know? Yeah, the bass. Yeah, the bass. One day, we're going to imagine a conversation between James Jamerson and Charlie <laughs> <Vegas>. <laughs> One day, it's when I get off the phone with you, I'm going to go think about that conversation. Okay. People, it's been October 20, 2021. Dishwap Pete, I should keep your powder dry.